the Knowledge from the Couch podcast. It's fun. It's interesting. It's weird. It's whatever you want it to be. Thanks for listening. Hey guys, what's going on? Episode six coming at you. Today is a today's a special episode. I have been looking so forward to fucking shredding this piece of shit so hard. Christopher Columbus is the subject of our fucking podcast today, but we'll we'll get to that in a second. Guys, what is happening? I can't believe we've actually fucking made it to six whole episodes of this fucking dumb show, but we did it. Guys, we we did it. Awesome. And I hope you guys have been enjoying it so far. Hopefully, you know, nobody's taking it too terribly goddamn seriously. Nobody's thinking, oh, God, he's just, he's not really an authority on these historical things. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trust him to, to be cited in anything. You know what? <laughs> I wouldn't trust me to be cited on anything either. I, I never really purported to be an expert by any means. I, I, at the very top of episode one, when I was introing myself, I was talking about how I have a degree in history from the University of Nebraska. So I am somewhat educated, at least a little bit, in this sort of subject matter. But this podcast is very short. It is very non-hardcore uh, history. So I don't like to put a shit ton of effort into it. And that's not to say that I don't care about it. I really do. I really like doing this a lot. And I really want it to sound good. And I want you guys to have a little bit of something entertaining come out of it i want you to to not regret listening to it i think that's maybe the biggest qualifier i don't want you to be like fuck that guy uh why did i listen to this shit i want you guys to be like oh okay cool that was that was fun that that's what i'm aiming at so obviously every episode isn't going to be this just in detail you know essay for class about you know whoever i'm talking about it's it's going to be a very broad brush strokes sort of thing over a person you know i try to hit the 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 big points try to hit the important points try to be as as historically accurate as i can i obviously do some research before we before we do anything but i also don't you know spend ten thousand hours trying to research everything for an episode i i'm currently in school and i'm also working and doing all that stuff so i don't really have a shit ton of time but it is something super fun. I really like doing it. And so I do put at least a modicum of it. I mean, that's the thing. It, it's it's my reputation and my ass in the line anyway. Like, you know, if I put something out in the public sphere and ask people to listen to it and hope people listen to it, then, of course, I open myself up to scrutiny about it. And so, obviously, I don't want to just be like, well, I'm just going to hit record and just shoot the shit in the air about who I'm talking about. I could probably do that. But I'm not nearly funny or entertaining enough to do something like that. So instead, I like to format the podcast in this way, where we do a little intro. We you know we shoot the shit on the top of the show. You get to hear a little, a little fun music that I've found, and then you get to hear me, you know, ramble on for twenty-ish minutes about somebody that I find interesting. And then we we do the same thing on the uh, the opposite side of the show. And by the way, you know, speaking of random shit to talk about, I really hope you guys have been enjoying the musical segue portions of the episode i i've really enjoyed i i think maybe almost more than actually doing the episodes themselves of actually going out and finding this music and editing it and cutting it up a little bit and throwing it in the segues it's really super fun um it's all non-copyrighted work because i have no money and i also don't think this podcast is ever going to be popular so it's not like i'm willing to shell out licensing money to some fucking artist because I want to put, you know, 30 to 40 seconds of a song on my fucking dumb podcast. So I go to YouTube 
and SoundCloud, and I find the non-copyrighted stuff that is uh, unneeded to pay royalties for. And I'll still attribute it. You'll see on the show notes always that I like to attribute the song. So, you know, if people are interested in that artist, they can either go find the song themselves and download it, or they can find the artist and do what they want, whether they want to find them on Spotify or they want to contribute a little money to them or just, you know, find work similar. I like to, to do that as well. But there is so much fucking non-copyrighted music out there. It's outrageous. So, and it's all really good. There's a ton of stuff that I can't believe these people aren't charging money for. These people are so talented. It's it's outrageous. Like, I almost feel bad for putting their awesome work on my dumb podcast. It's, it's hilarious. But anyway, today's episode is going to be about our boy, our dude, Chris Columbus, popularized, um, you know, as an, as an American child growing up um, in the 80s and 90s, as uh, I am and was, Christopher Columbus was a huge part of, you know, a histories, an American history curriculum. You know, in 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. That was the whole, that was the whole thing. And you always had this idea in your head that, oh, without Christopher Columbus, we would just be a bunch of uh, Native Americans and stuff. Like, while that is total fucking dumb, circular bullshit logic, I think the, the thing is that Columbus gets a whole lot of credit that he's probably not due because he's done a lot of dumb shit and he is also not the smartest fella. But we are going to get all into that here real quick. So without further ado, let's shred up Christopher Columbus. So Christopher Columbus. Now this is going to be probably one of the the tougher episodes I'm going to have to record. Not because it's not because it's super controversial by any means, especially these days. If I was trying to tell this story back in like the 50s or 60s or something, you know, you're probably going to get a little backlash because of just that what has been built up, you know, reputation wise for Christopher Columbus, especially in the 20th century. But obviously, I I'm I'm almost fairly 100% certain. That sounds like a stupid thing to say. I'm I'm pretty certain that most of my listeners are pretty aware that Columbus probably wasn't the guy that we all thought he was. But I, I just want to use this episode to really shine a light on how he was just kind of a, a bumbling, inept kind of guy who really just got super lucky. Like, if, if, if there was any justice in the world, he would have just sailed, you know, into the middle of the ocean and... You know, unfortunately for the idiots who were on the ships with him, that would have been crappy for them, but he would have sailed in the middle of the ocean and just died. You know, I don't want to say that so terribly like somebody deserves to be dead, but really for all the things that he thought he knew and he thought he was smart about, he really just didn't know anything and got really lucky that there happened to be a whole bunch of land right in the middle of, of where he was sailing. So you know, let's 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 turn it back a little bit. You know, the, the more I think about it, you know, I always think about, hey, you know, let's make this podcast pretty short and, and bite-sized, but that's not me. Like, that's not, when I tell a story, depending on who it is, like, obviously, I'm telling the story about Robert Liston in episode two. That that didn't have to go all that long, because not many people knew about him, and he was really only famous for a couple of things. He was just kind of a more obscure figure in history. So you can do a 15 or 20-minute expose on the guy, and you're you're good. But somebody like Christopher Columbus, who is fairly universally known, I, I feel like you got to 
touchdown and throw a little context in. So I'm going to put a little backstory on Chris before we get to what he did. So basically the, the big thing about Christopher Columbus, the one good thing I want to say about him, and it was probably going to be one of the only good things I give him credit for, is that he is probably the big catalyst and spark of colonization of, quote, the New World, or, you know, where I live now in the United States of America, which we considered an unknown world to Europeans, by the way. There are plenty of people living where I am right now who weren't European, who were native to this land before people from Europe made their way west and found where they lived. In. But, but that's besides the point. And honestly, <laughs> when I say that's a good thing about Christopher Columbus sparking the colonization of the New World, it's only good because it sort of leads to this kind of larger global picture. But if you were somebody who is descended from uh, somebody who was subjugated because of him coming here and the subsequent colonizations from all the different European nations, you're probably going to disagree with me on it being a positive thing. So, And that honestly, it's, that's the best way to describe Christopher Columbus. Even his one good thing is really not that good. It was fortunate for some people and pretty unfortunate for millions of other people. So with that in mind, Christopher Columbus was a guy who growing up worked in shops, you know, cartography and navigation. He always wanted to be a sailor. They actually said that in a a, uh, connection to our Leif Erikson episode that Columbus actually may have made it all the way up to Iceland uh, in the 1470s and 1480s, you see, he was sailing around the European. So that's kind of fun. So you would think that a guy like him who claimed to study a lot and read a lot would kind of have maybe stumbled upon rumors of what Leif Erikson did and rumors of those other things. Like there are some people who had stumbled across that stuff and did suspect that there was a landmass west of Europe somewhere. But Columbus really just kind of was a guy who was really good at reading but not good at comprehending so i got a quote here from edmund morgan a historian and he said quote columbus was not a scholarly man yet he studied these books made hundreds of marginal notations in them and came out with ideas about the world that were character characteristically excuse me simple and strong and sometimes wrong in quote <laughs> that's probably the best part simple and strong and sometimes wrong what a great way to to encompass how this dumb fuck thought about stuff. Seriously. So Columbus, you know, he, you give him a little credit for being a well-read guy. At least he made the effort, right? At least he was out getting in the books and, and taking a listen and looking at stuff. But he really just didn't, he didn't come up with the right conclusions. And that's the, that's the part about him. That's the part about him. He was Mr. Confirmation Bias. Over the time that he would study these works, he got this idea in his head that obviously the Earth was round. And and going back to our Common Misconceptions episode, of course the world is round. A lot of people in Columbus's time thought the world was round too. And also, by the way, most of those people thought the world was round and the correct size, which is about 40,000 kilometers in, in um, circumference. And so he had access to that type of information. But for some reason, even with all of his reading, all of his studying, he still had this weird idea that, A, the world was pear-shaped, okay, that where it was kind of like narrow at the top and then bulges out at the bottom, whatever. Besides that, he also thought the world was a lot smaller than it was. He actually estimated the world's about 30,000 kilometers around. That's, you know, 10,000 kilometers just missing which um, I don't know how good my math is, but that's probably something around four or 5,000-ish miles. I should probably do math before I just start rambling, but you get the idea. 10,000 kilometers just disappeared. That's a lot. That's a lot of distance. And really, if you're a European person who's looking at the size of the world and you don't know that North and South America are just in the middle there, you would probably think, oh, hey, the world is round, and we can certainly get to Asia by sailing around it. But there seems to be just a gigantic fucking ocean in between with all this water, all this space. And we're not going to be able to make it with what we have, with the ships that we have, the capabilities we have, and the type of way we can stow away food and water and stuff. We just don't... Nobody has any ships that could that could crew uh, men to get all the way over there. It's just impossible. They'll all die. So that was the prevailing idea. And this is why Columbus was kind of a dipshit, because he knew that that was the prevailing idea, yet he thought, A, the world was smaller than it was, 
and B, that he was just so certain that he would just bump into that sort of thing. And it's like, dude, you read the books. You know that this is probably not it. And obviously those people who thought it was too big and a giant ocean in between were wrong too. But when you look at, you know, just looking at the world evidence-wise, of course that's the way you'd think. Because for most of them, you know, even with, with uh, knowledge of Leif Erikson, most of them were like, well, I don't know what's out there. Maybe he just found some other islands and other stuff up there. It's just going to be, you know, a big ocean in between. There's nothing we're going to find. We're all just going to die. But to Columbus's credit, there had been a lot of people trying to figure out a really great way to get over to Asia. Now, the Silk Road over land was a fairly popular route, although the crappy part about it was you passed over a lot of a lot of areas that were going to be a little bit difficult to navigate, some areas that were a little less than less than good when it comes to the type of people you're going to run into and the type of goods you can take. And also, sailing, while it is a fairly slowish type of thing where these ships weren't like fucking jetting around or anything it was fairly consistent you could carry a lot of product to and from and it was pretty straightforward you know you didn't have to really worry about land and and navigating it that way on foot so there was a vested interest in trying to find a route to asia and during the 1470s and 80s while columbus is sort of growing up and figuring his sort of thing a lot of these other kingdoms, like in England, like in France, like in Portugal and Spain and the Netherlands, all these places who are traditional powers at this time are trying to figure out ways that they can get over there. And obviously the idea of sailing westward towards Asia was definitely thought about, but a lot of people sort of put that idea to rest because they figured, hey, there's just an ocean in between. There's nothing we can do. And Columbus kind of understood this, but at this point, nobody had really figured out a good route the other way. So when he was going to the different courts, so he went to Portugal, and he went to Genoa, and he went to Venice, he went to Spain eventually, but he, and, and England too. He sent his brother Bartholomew to England to proposition Henry VII on their, their westward voyage that they were thinking about doing. Most of these people would tell him no and shut him down because their experts were like, yeah, this is a stupid fucking idea. But... He was an earwig that got in them, and he got multiple meetings with a lot of these people, which means that even though they didn't really respect his opinion, they really were like, well, maybe we should give him a try, I don't know. And then in the, uh, I believe, let me see, 1488, it looks like I have written down here, uh, Portuguese sailors actually figured out, you know, the route to sail around the west coast of Africa, all the way underneath, under, around South Africa in the... uh, in the Cape there, and then all the way up again to India, they figured out a you know a sailing route that way, which was a it worked and was reasonable, and b wasn't really that bad at all. So, so Columbus in 1485 goes to King John II of Portugal, does his whole thing, says he wants to be you know admiral of the ocean sea, and I want 10% of this when I discover this or whatever, you know, all these really unreasonable demands, and the Portuguese, especially when King John's like, hey, uh. Hey, experts, let me, what do you think about this plan? And they're like, oh, um, that's a stupid plan. That's a, this is a dumb guy. Fuck him. So King John says, well, I'm sorry, Columbus, you know, come back again, try again later. Columbus then comes back three years later in 1488. By this time, you know, King John takes him in again, but is informed by his guys that they figured out the way to get around uh, Africa to go to India. And then he says, well, Columbus, we figured out our thing. Uh, we don't need your stupid fucking idea anymore. It's so stupid. Goodbye. And he gets shut down. And so, I mean, he goes years and years getting shut down. And this should have given him a really uh, obvious clue that he was doing it wrong. But at the same time, he just uh, really, really, like I said, that confirmation bias. He really, really believed what he was doing would work. So in um, the later 14 80s near into the 1490s because 1492 is when he made his first voyage Columbus goes in propositions the now united kingdom of Spain united with uh, King Ferdinand and Queen Isabella after they had driven out most of the uh, the Islamic forces that had been you know living in that Iberian Peninsula and had conquered it earlier this was that Reconquista maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later as well but they take a lot of that back and now have this you know, united kind of Castilian kingdom, and Columbus comes and he presents his idea to them. And at first, they reject him as well, so he's dejected. But the, the thing that they did was they understood that while his idea was stupid, that in this world of trade, that any sort of competitive advantage was super important. And they figured, okay, 
this guy is probably dumb. He's probably stupid. And he probably has no fucking clue what's going on. But we need to keep him on retainer and not let him spread his idea around in case somebody else actually wants to give him a shot at it. So they keep Columbus on retainer for this amount of time, and they give him like a salary, and they, they kind of just have him sit there on his idea, which is kind of cool for Columbus because he just sits there making money doing jack shit on his idea, so good for him. But eventually, in 1492, they go, okay, we're going to give him a shot because what's the worst that could happen? We send him out in a few boats with some few a few youths. The worst thing that can happen is he sails off west. We never see him again. He dies. Okay, we didn't really lose much for it. Uh, we figured out that this couldn't happen, or at least we figured that was going to be too difficult, so whatever. But on the off chance that the guy is actually right, or at least he finds something, then we are going to have this crazy advantage because all of a sudden we're the ones who sent the guy out first. We're the ones who found something out here. We're the ones who run into it, so we get to call the fucking shots. That was their whole thing. That was the whole Fernand and Isabella idea was that they were going to have a competitive advantage keeping this idiot around. So they basically take advantage of Columbus and say, okay, here's three ships, you know, Nina Pinta, Santa Maria. Here's your three ships. Take a crew, get them all together, and then head your ass west, and we'll see how you do. We'll, we'll let you call yourself the Admiral of the fucking Ocean Sea, I guess. Uh, that's what you want to be. And we'll give you, like you d- demand, 10% of the earnings of anything that you find, plus you can name people to be governors of whatever. So those were his original terms toward all these other monarchs. And Ferdinand as well will finally just give in because they figure, well, what do we got to lose? Because if he finds something, it'll be fine. We'll make plenty of money and be wealthy and do whatever. And if he, you know, just happens to disappear in the middle of the ocean with all these guys that we don't care about, then it doesn't matter anyway. So from that, in 1492, Columbus sets sail west towards, he thinks, India, Japan, China, anything. But we know, actually, obviously, he ends up running into, at at this point, unknown places that are part of you know, the, the Caribbean islands. So his, his journey starts in August. He, he heads, uh, westerly and actually goes towards the Canary Islands first because there was a, a rudder problem on one of his ships. And, um, a lot of his guys were thinking it was actually sabotage because that crew was pressed into service and didn't want to do this. So they go to the Canary Islands, they fix it up and then they head west from the Canary Islands. Their journey takes about five weeks or so. And, one of Columbus's lucky things is he runs into what are called trade winds, and those are these really hard-blowing westerly winds um, that really just carried his ass real quick across the Atlantic Ocean. And, you know, it, it's, just, it's just a super stroke of luck because there are parts of the ocean that are just absolutely dead to wind or very little wind. And if they would have had to deal with those situations, even though there was land in between Asia and Europe, pretty good chance that he and his crew would have expired if they wouldn't have had the help of those winds. He gets super lucky, A, with these winds picking him up, and B, he was sailing in August and September. Well, if you know anything about August and September, you know, especially currently, this is hurricane season, and a lot of historians think that there were hurricanes that happened. He just got super lucky and didn't run into any of them while he was sailing. So one good hurricane could have just wrecked his whole voyage and killed him and everybody, and it would have been over. But, of course, he gets lucky and doesn't run into one of those. Eventually, after about five and a half weeks, they see birds flying around. Well, obviously, they figure these birds aren't just existing in the middle of the ocean. Uh, they capture a few. They figure out they're field birds, what they call them, so that there's land. They change their course to follow the birds back, and they eventually spot land. Now, there's a guy uh, on the crew, uh, Columbus's crew in the Santa Maria, that actually spotted the land first. But later on, Columbus would claim that he was the first one who spotted the land, which... Uh, put him into possession of a monetary reward. So that's like asshole maneuver number one for Chris is having his man spot land. Oh, yeah, that was me. That was actually me. I I saw it. So give me my money. And then, like, nobody's going to just say no to him because I guess he's the guy who's in command. So that was a thing. Eventually, they run into the Bahamas, which he names San Salvador, and over the course of the next few weeks, they kind of sail around the area, and they run into the Bahamas. They run into Hispaniola, which is the Dominican Republic in Haiti these days, uh, and Cuba as well. So they're they're just kind of jutting around the place, doing whatever. Eventually, his flagship, the Santa Maria, runs aground and is unsalvageable. They can't do anything, so they have to scuttle. And, you know, he runs into the, the natives of the area, which were natives of the, let's see, the Taino tribe the uh, Carib tribe and the Saboni tribe. 
and these are all really friendly people. Like, they're super nice to him for no good reason. Like, what would you think if these random, like, really light-skinned white dudes wearing weird shit just come in these crazy boats and just run up a land on you, and you're like, oh, well, I guess we'd just be nice to these guys. Like, why the fuck would you be nice to these guys? Because they're definitely not going to be nice to you. And that's, you know, we're going to get into that in a sec. That's a huge part of Columbus's total assholishness, is that he, instead of being a diplomatic dude and respecting these people who are obviously here, I mean, A, he thought they were they were Asians, which, you know, had he never seen Asians before, these people don't look anything like people who who are native to Southeast Asia or Japan or China. But, hey, you know, I guess pictures don't make their way around, so he just kind of figured that these were Asian people and these were the Indies. And, B, it's like, you know, why would you, why would you, he just would, he would just be this, like, this gigantic asshole to these people. I mean, literally would step foot on their land and be like, well, this is mine now. It's like, no, Columbus, it's not yours. Dude, these people already live here. Like, this is theirs already. That is their stuff. No, it's mine. And this is in the name of God and uh, the Catholic Church. And these are, these are, I'm spreading Christianity. These are, this is mine. Hey, uh, natives, show me all your, your gold and shit and also your women. And so, you know, he was kind of assholeish to them on this first journey, but really didn't get into the true crazy assholishness until his later journeys. So eventually, because his flagship has to be scuttled, he has to leave some of his men behind. Well, these nice natives are happy enough to allow uh, 39 of his men uh, to stay behind. He kidnaps a few of them anyway, hops on the one of his other two ships, and those two ships make their way back to Europe. Very luckily, they ran into a storm on their way back, didn't get crushed by a storm that apparently shipwrecked a bunch of other Portuguese vessels, so another lucky Columbus thing. Makes his way back to Portugal and then Spain eventually, and he's greeted as a fucking hero. Everybody loves him. Oh my God, you found something. Jesus Christ. You know, Ferdinand and Isabella are kind of like shaking, you know, nodding their heads like, yeah. Good thing we took a gamble on this goddamn idiot. Perfect. So, you know, they give him his title he wants. He's Admiral of the Ocean Sea. He can do all this stuff. He can. He brought these natives back. Ooh, these crazy-looking natives. Look at these people. And, oh, hey. And he writes a letter and says, oh, there's just gold everywhere in these rivers, which is obviously a huge lie. There wasn't nearly as much gold around there as, as he claimed there was. But he sought to say it because, obviously, you have to be able to sell your next journey. So after being treated like a fucking king, he decides to... Uh, head back to the New World for his second journey. So on that second journey, he, instead of three ships and a few guys, ends up getting 17 ships and about 1,200 men, and some of them being priests and farmers and others. So this was definitely an intent to to settle, to colonize. So they make their way back, taking a very similar route. They, they stop in the Canary Islands and then head south and, and go around. But they head a little bit more southward, and then they head their way northward um, after they have hit land in the west and then they kind of do a, a tour so to speak of the the area they go through the lesser antilles they go through the virgin islands um he, he sees puerto rico and names it san juan which retained you know that name obviously for the capital puerto rico up to this day and he also lands to the colony where he started where he left his 39 men he finds that 11 of the 39 uh he finds corpses of 11 of the 39 who were killed by the tainos who probably during the time that he was gone, probably tried to, you know, do what they were going to do to the islanders that they were living with. And the islanders didn't take very kindly to that and decided to run their asses out. You know, this this sort of enrages Columbus, obviously, and it's going to fuel his rage toward the natives from, from every opportunity herein. But I wanted to kind of digress a little bit. There's a guy named Michel da Cuneo, who is a Columbus's childhood friend from Savona and he was with Columbus during his second voyage and he was a guy who was like Columbus's hype man he like wrote about Columbus and was like yeah this guy's the best he's so fucking smart he's great he's the the Lord Admiral of the Ocean Sea so Columbus being the fucking asshole he was decided hey this guy's pretty cool I'm gonna gift him a woman because that's what you did back in the fucking 14 and 1500s you could just give people other people um, so he gifted his friend with a, uh, a native woman, and this is the quote I'm going to read, and it's a little bit disturbing, and it shows you how much of a piece of shit this was, but here's what the guy, Michel de Cuneo, said about that. He said, quote, While I was in the boat, I captured a very beautiful Carib woman whom the said Lord Admiral gave to me. When I had taken her to my cabin, she was naked, as was their custom. 
I was filled with a desire to take my pleasure with her and attempted to satisfy my desire. She was unwilling and so treated me with her nails that I wished I had never begun. But, to cut a long story short, I then took a piece of rope and whipped her soundly, and she let forth such incredible screams that you have would have not believed your ears. Eventually we came to such terms, I assure you, that you would have thought she had been brought up in the school of whores. Holy, what? Holy shit. And this is like the a perfect microcosm of how fucked up Christopher Columbus and his guys were to the native people. He's just like, hey, man, like, thanks for saying some really nice shit about me. Here's a native woman. Um, obviously, I don't give a fuck about what she thinks, so here you go. Have fun. And the guy's like, cool, I'm going to fucking rape her now. And she's like, I don't really think you're going to. I resist. And he's like, nope, I'm just beat the shit out of you and do it anyway. It's really fucking terrible. And this is going to be like a precursor, like I said, to how bad everyone is treated. So anyway, Columbus lands his guys. And during the time of this second voyage, he all of a sudden gets this wild hair and figures, oh, man, slavery. Oh, slavery's pretty cool. Let's get into that shit. What he, what he didn't realize was that Isabella and Ferdinand were really not into slavery all that much, although the Portuguese really were into slavery. Uh, the Portuguese had actually used the African slave trade and would continue to use the African slave trade to reap insane amounts of, of money. But anyway, Columbus is like, well, uh, everybody's a slaver. Well, fuck it, I'm just going to take these other people's slavery. So, so he, takes, he takes 1,600 people from the Arawak tribe because he feels like these people are too rebellious that's his own words, too, uh, too independence-minded and aggressive, and they're enemies of the, of the Taino tribe, which had been a little bit more friendly to him. So I guess he was like, well, one's worse than the other, so they're slaves now. So he takes 1,600 people, slave, releases 400 of them when he figures that he can't carry them all, and then he goes, well, I'm just going to be Mr. Slave Man. I'm going to send these people back to Europe and look at them. So he sends 560 of these people back to Europe. Well, about half of them die on the way there because obviously they're all cramped in these awful, terrible ships. They're spreading around disease that has now been introduced to them from these European guys. So 200 people just die during the way back to Spain. And about half of them, when they got there, were super-duper sick. And then, you know, they get there, and Ferdinand and Isabella are like, what the fuck is this? This is so stupid. And, and Columbus was just so desperate to pay back these debts he had made uh, over this time during his voyages and stuff. You know, he, he had claimed, as we said earlier, that there's gold everywhere. There's just, there's treasure and gold and all this cool shit in these places. And he really wasn't delivering on that sort of promise, you know, because he was returning during his second voyage with all these colonists because they figured, okay, We've got this; these places that Columbus has, has claimed are here. We can, we can sort of exploit this land. We can get gold. We can get all this stuff, and then we can also start converting all these natives to Christianity. It's going to be awesome, and then we'll just kind of branch out from there. That's the whole point that they sort of got what from Columbus was saying to him. He sort of figured out after a while that he, these people really weren't going to be great. When, with that sort of thing. So after that, he then goes back to Europe and then starts a a, uh, a third voyage, and he'll eventually do a fourth voyage. Well, although his fourth voyage was uh, a little bit less good. Uh, the fourth voyage, he was super sick. Um, at this point, he had basically been ousted from power. Um, in 1500, the Spanish crown decided just to say, fuck you to Columbus, uh, fuck you to your admiral of the ocean sea, and screw you to having 10% of everything in perpetuity, and screw you making your brothers uh, Bartolomeu and Diego governors of this because you guys are just grossly mismanaging these sort of things. So, and and by the way, let's let's talk super duper quick about about Columbus's governorship during this time. So he 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 goes back and it's 1498 now. So now we're about six years past when he'd first got here. The people who had settled there were really pissed off at Columbus. Every time he would come and hang out and do stuff there, then he would go back to uh, to Europe, and he would come back and continue reigning. They felt like they were really super misled, and they were. Columbus you know, claimed, like we were saying, that there was just golden shit everywhere, and they were like, no, there's nothing like that here, you fucking asshole. What the fuck is wrong with you? And he actually had, uh, he, he was actually a really poor governor too like that's the whole thing about columbus is he was just not cut out for a lot of this stuff like when he was a sailor he wasn't that strong of a sailor but got super lucky and found all this stuff and then when he got to this area 
instead of being like at the very least a benevolent ruler, like if he was going to rule over these people, like at least being nice to him, he was instead like a super terrible dude known as the tyrant of the Caribbean. Uh, he was uh, accused and given this wonderful title. During the time, he would just he would just treat these natives just like shit. He was so bad with these people. He would routinely execute people that went against his rules. He would routinely... So one of the big things that he did uh, off the side was he wanted these guys to collect gold, right? Gold is like the thing. Gold is the thing. So he was like, hey, everybody, go collect this gold. And you have to fill up this certain amount, and it says like a hawk's helm full or whatever. I don't know what the hell that means, but it was just a certain amount of gold. You have to get at least as much gold powder in this over three months. So they would go collect the gold or try to, and after their term was up, they would come present it. And if they had enough, he would put a little copper medallion around them. Hooray, you're safe. Um, if they didn't, then he would be a total asshole and go completely the, the other direction and cut their fucking hands off and let them bleed to death. And this led to like this huge amount of just, you know, just death. And these people were just overworked anyway and sick. And it led to a lot of just suicide and infanticide. So people were killing their kids that they were having because they just didn't want them to grow up in this awful guy's rule. And it led to this humongous, humongous uh, 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 on the on the realm of like over 200,000 people just dying while he's governor. I mean, just think about it. Like they're, they're living these peaceful, whatever lives. I don't even want to say peaceful, just lives that didn't involve this guy. Then all of a sudden this guy shows up and this is what fucking happens to him. This is why in a nutshell, Columbus is a complete fucking asshole. Are you kidding me? Just going to a plane, be like, well, you know, I'm not finding all the gold. You guys aren't bringing me all the gold. So, uh, a, you're all my slaves now. Fuck you guys. These are my dudes. They are your masters. I am your master now. You are slaves. Go get me some goddamn gold. If you don't get me any goddamn gold, then I'm going to cut your hands off and kill all of you. And and he really wasn't fucking around with that. He was just innumerably cruel. Uh, a guy named Bartolome de las Casas, who was a young priest who has was around for that second and third journey, he, you know, part of the conquest of Cuba. So he writes a history of the Indies, and here's a quote from him that should give you a pretty great you know, pretty great appreciation of how fucking terrible this guy was. So, quote, Endless testimonies prove the mild and pacific temperament of the natives, but our work was to exasperate, ravage, kill, mangle, and destroy. Small wonder, then, if they tried to kill one of us every now and then. The Admiral, it is true, the Admiral being Columbus, it is true, was blind as those who came after him, and he was so anxious to please the king that he committed irreparable crimes against the Indians. And so that's the quote there. That That is just a quote. And, and so they were saying, you know, he is described in his book that he's talking about Columbus. He's saying how the Spaniards would ride on the back of the Indians, how the Spaniards thought nothing of knifing Indians by tens and twenties and of cutting off slices of them to test the sharpness of their blades. Just like, oh, how sharp is my knife? Get just test it on this guy here. Um, Las Casas also adds, quote, two of these so-called Christians, these are the guys who live on the island, met two Indian boys one day each carrying a parrot. They took the parrots and, for fun, beheaded the boys. Holy shit, like, I just, that's so fucking nuts that this guy is just like, in the name of, you know, conquering a place, you know, and and that was the thing that people don't really realize. Uh, Columbus was, like, super-duper religious, and he came, you know, partially in the name of his own boastfulness, but partially in the name of conquering so that you could uh, convert people to Christianity, and this is how he fucking treats people. And like we said, it led to just this massive, massive thought of, of of hopelessness in these natives. This is what they were up against. They they were just being subjugated. Like two guys coming down the street, see a couple of nice young boys just carrying these parrots around. They say, you know what? Fuck these kids. We're taking the parrots and we're killing these kids for the hell of it. Who would want to live in that world? So like I said, about 250,000 of those Arawak Indians end up eventually dying because of this. You know, especially, you know, they, they try to uprise against Columbus. They can't do anything about it because their their weapons and stuff are, are inferior to Columbus's guns and armor. Uh, so, you know, a lot of the people are killed either from Columbus and his men themselves, or they commit suicide, or they kill their own kids, and it's a whole thing. Um, by 1550, it says, which is far after Columbus's death, but on, on this island, by 1550, there are only 500 of them left. And by 1650, they were all gone. A society that had over a quarter million people or more around this area just wiped out. 
because of this guy just showing up. That's why it is so fucking ridiculous to be like, this guy's a hero. No, he's not. He's an asshole. He's a fucking asshole. The end. And and the big part about it is he wasn't an asshole and everybody just turned a blind eye. There were plenty of people who, like we were talking about, the mismanagement of his colonies as he's governor of, you know, the, the, the court in Spain eventually is like, yeah, we've had enough of this dumb shit, Columbus. Like, you fucking, you're under arrest, come back here. So, like I said, he's eventually deposed. The new governor of the area sends him and his brothers, who are governing other parts, back to Spain in chains. So they send him back to Spain in chains. He, he is disgraced, and they take away, you know, that Admiral of the Ocean Sea title. They take away the 10% of the lands, and it's just really... Not a good deal for a guy who, you know, at, at one point was basically king of the fucking world because of what he had found, and now all of a sudden he's in chains heading back to prison. He eventually makes another trip back. It's his fourth and final trip. He makes a trip back. They're trying to find a, a, a passageway out to the Asian island because, let me remind you, Christopher Columbus still thinks that this entire fucking time that he reached Asia to his dying day, which, by the way, is my birthday, May 20th. He died on May 20th in 1506. He thought that that's what he got to. He thought he reached Asia. He thought that that's what he did. He's just like, yeah, I made it. Yeah, I made it. Cool. Great. I'm dead now. He never did, obviously, understand that he made it to a certain place. So anyway, during his last voyage, they figured they're going to go try to find this new continent and get onto the Asian mainland. It doesn't go well. They eventually get... Uh, uh, beat back by the natives of that area back up to the island they're stranded I mean when I say they I mean Christopher and his brothers stranded on the island of Jamaica for about a year before they can make their way back to Spain by the way call back to our eclipse episode in 1504 this is when he uses that lunar eclipse to fool those natives into thinking that he was very godlike so they wouldn't fucking kill him and after that he eventually makes his way back to Spain where he dies in 1506 now that's the end of Christopher Columbus's life and story. So you think that that's going to be the end of it, right? Well, for for years afterward, he's kind of held up as a middling type of explorer. You know, obviously important because he was the first guy to find all this stuff. And obviously important to the fact that he led to these other people coming to the New World, which would be soon called when smarter people figured out it wasn't Asia, but that was another continent entirely. You know, he's, he's held up as this figure. He's held up as this figure who started the whole thing, but he was never really given like this 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 idolation. You know, why is he such a big fucking deal compared to all these other people who are A, less cruel, and B, probably smarter and found other things. The big reason why Columbus is is considered this cool guy is is a book was written about him by a dude named Washington Irving. Now you might know Washington Irving more by his other works. Rip Van Winkle and uh, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. So, in, in Washington Irving is this really big time author at this time. He he was one of the first really greatly internationally selling authors from the United States. And in 1828, Washington Irving wrote a book which you know he claimed to be historically accurate because he claimed to be a historian. Um, turns out he's not much more of a historian than I am, but whatever. He writes a book in 1828 called The History of the Life and Voyages of Christopher Columbus. And within this book, we see where a lot of these myths come from, from Christopher Columbus. Most particularly, Irving writes uh, about the flat earth and about the reason why Columbus was able to really do what he was going to do or why he was a hero he was in his eyes was that everybody thought the earth was flat and Columbus being the fucking genius he was knew that it was round and decided to, to test his theory and he was a brave explorer rather than just a fucking dickhead so that's one of the big things with with Irving really pushing the tone because Irving when it came down to it being the guy who writes you know Rip Van Winkle Sleepy Hollow and other tales of the imagination he was a fiction writer he was a really he was really good at embellishing and using hyperbole to write his stories. And, of course, when he's going to go do this biography, he really just couldn't help himself but to, to draw Columbus in a certain way, to, to write him to look a certain way and to just be an embellisher and to be a someone who, who would talk about this guy this way. And that eventually started to 
turn Christopher Columbus's image in in this early to mid 1800s and then on to the modern day into this like romantic you know this this tale of exploration and this this gallant looking man who who comes from who comes from Italy but he sails with Spain and he comes to this this new world and he tames the place and you know Irving was a huge nationalist he was a huge patriot of the United States at the time so he sort of put two and two together in his mind that said well you know if Columbus wouldn't have come and did all this stuff then I wouldn't be here and none of my friends and all this stuff none of us would be here either so obviously he must be a hero and then sort of contorts the view of 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 what Christopher Columbus really did because in the end in this historian's opinion Christopher Columbus was no more than a guy who was searching for something he never found got lucky by a ton of different remarks, ran into a place that he thought was Asia. It wasn't. You know, he he is credited with discovering it. He didn't. There were people here already. And and eventually leading this just massive sort of cruel, you know, genocidal governorship along all these islands that eventually just wipes out populations, not just because of him and his men's cruelty, where they would just run every time they'd land somewhere, they'd run across the land and just fucking kill people because they could, but also because of his his introduction of things like smallpox and syphilis. And not to say that he was the only one doing it. Obviously, these other people who are there with him are also complicit in that sort of human rights crime. But it was the era. It was it was the 1400s and 1500s where people just didn't have that same obviously I'm not going to say nobody was moral back then but there were a lot there was a lot less looking at people as these these sort of untouchable unkillable things you know people were just it was just a little bit more lackadaisical you know people didn't have as much of a problem with killing people that they felt were inferior people didn't have much of a problem pretending that people weren't even people and that were they were property instead in fact Columbus is probably Credited being, uh, you know, in the, in the story I told a few minutes ago about him him sending all those those Arawak people over to Spain as slaves, in really kind of spearheading the transatlantic slave trade, because obviously there was already a slave trade going on in Africa and up into Europe and stuff, but it wasn't nearly as big as when all these other nations like Portugal and you know Spain were talking about and England, and France, and the Netherlands, and all these people are making their way over to, quote, the New World, and to work the New World, and to find the things that they want to find in the New World, they brought a ton of slaves with them, a humongous, in the millions, amount of slaves from Africa primarily to the the New World, and subjugate them for hundreds of years. I mean, Columbus was the first guy to do it, and a lot of people fall in step. So that's that's I think that's all I want to really talk about this guy about. I mean, in the end, he tries to get this voyage going. You know, nobody wants to take him up on his offer because they know it's dumb. He he does it anyway because somebody finally does. He gets lucky and ends up finding a new continent, even though his dumbass never knew it. And eventually committed awful genocide, even though he didn't consider it genocide. He considered it a kindness because he thought he was just trying to uh, make them in the image of good Christian boys, even though that was a total farce. And eventually gets taken back in chains to Europe, makes another voyage. It's dumb. Goes back to Europe, dies, thinking that he'd, he'd reached Asia. You know, is kind of uh, meddling in mediocrity. Then Washington Irving writes a book uh, romanticizing him. And all of a sudden we have fucking Columbus Day and people have no clue that the guy is a total jack-off. So, great. There you go. 45 fucking minutes later, there's Christopher Columbus for you. So, let's take it a little bit in a different direction, a little bit more positive and nice, and hit that non-sequitur fact of the week. Did you know that there is a guy out there in Japan, or I shouldn't say out there in Japan now, he's since deceased, but there was a man named... Tsutomu Yamaguchi, who is from Nagasaki. He went to work at Mitsubishi Heavy Industries from Nagasaki to Hiroshima. He was in Hiroshima the day the atomic bomb was dropped and ignited. He lived through the atomic bomb being dropped and ignited and went back to work three days later in Nagasaki, where he was present for the second atomic bomb to be dropped on Japan. He survived both 
bomb explosions and lived to the ripe old age of 93. That's pretty goddamn interesting. And that's the podcast. Thanks for listening so much, guys. It has been a fun show. This was a, this is a really interesting one to do. Uh, you can reach the show, knowledgecouch at gmail.com, if you want to tell me this is fucking dumb. You can uh, you can find the show pretty much anywhere. You can find any podcasts. You can particularly find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, uh, Google Play, TuneIn. You can find us at any of those places. And please remember to rate and subscribe to the podcast. That way you don't miss any episodes, even though I post every single week about seeing these things. I would love it if you would already know before I tell you. It would be fantastic. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at Kyle Steinhauser. You can find me on Instagram at Kyle F. Steinhauser. And you can find me on Facebook as well. Uh, Follow me there for a bunch of random nonsense and bullshit. Uh, Next week's episode, episode 7, is going to be about the White Death. The White Death being a Finnish man standing at a a very small 5'3", but that doesn't mean he wasn't insane and killed a lot of people. During the Second World War, the guy's name was Samo Heha, and he was known as the White Death. We'll talk a little bit more about that fella next week, but for now, guys, thanks so much for listening. I'm out. Get away, get away now Too many games and they all tryna play out Too many people and they all start to change now Let me take a bet, they gon' know my name now Yeah, we came a long way, but it's one way Got a long way to go, like it's Monday Someday, gotta be in LA No, I gotta make it work out like chess day Yeah, we just young and we live and we doing it right over here Why you missing just me and my homies We running the city, not worry about blowing these hundreds and fifties Cause when you get caught up in money, it's fake The happiest thoughts end up going to waste I got all my people, they holding me down They all coming with me when I got the crown Now when I'm gone